reading and singing are wonderful ways to get language input. And I recommend just singing like without the soundtrack, without the videos, just face to face with your baby mm-hmm. and doing, you can do the traditional nursery songs. You can make up songs. You can sing songs that you like. It doesn't have to be any certain way. Hi, I'm Sarah Kuhn. Welcome to the Juno Women Podcast, where I sit down for candid conversations with women who are experts in their field and share their specific knowledge so that we can become better equipped to handle all things motherhood. Juno Women is an extension of Juna, a fitness and nutrition app created to help guide you through your trying to conceive, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. Everything we do at Juna is designed to empower and support you through one of the most incredible and challenging times of your life. On today's episode, I'm talking with Laura Brown. Laura is a mom and speech pathologist who specializes in early intervention for children struggling to develop language skills. We talk about early language, the simple things you can do to help your child develop skills, when to worry and reach out for help, and all the steps to keep your child developing language well into toddlerhood. I really hope you enjoy. All right, Laura, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your area of expertise? Yes, my name is Laura Brown. I am a speech language pathologist and I specialize in early intervention. So I see almost exclusively um babies and one-year-olds and two-year-olds as they are learning to develop language. And I am also a mother of two young boys. I have a three-year-old and a baby who just turned a year old. And I live with my family in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have lived a little bit of everywhere as a result Mm -hmm. of military life. I've kind of seen lots of different areas of the country and worked in lots of different places and settings. And I love being a speech pathologist. And I really love working with the younger kids, the babies so, and the toddlers. Yeah, it's I feel like there it's like an area to catch like for the most like you get like a lot of change really quickly. And it's so exciting. And there's nothing like teaching these little ones, how to say their first words and just the joy that brings their family and the uh, progress they make so quickly. It it really is amazing. Yes. So I want to get into it really quickly. When did your littlest turn one? He turned one in- Okay. May what? May 13th. I'm May 9th. Okay. (laughs) My my one, my mine just turned one June 18th. So we're a month behind you. A fun age. But they are starting, I mean, mine's starting to get wild. Mine has been wild for two months. (laughs) And my daughter was the same. Like uh, she was, we used to call her angel baby. And then she hit 11 months and it was like, oh, I am my own person. I want to do things differently than my brother does things. And, and you're going to have to deal with that. And and I actually say that like, and sorry for people listening who like, (laughs) this is just, this is a forewarning. When, with, with my first kid, like the, there's like a real sweet spot when your kid starts like talking and moving mm-hmm. and you're like they're seven, six, seven, eight, like the, the six months to 18 months is just so much fun and you're just right. following them around and everything that they do is so exciting. <laughs> but with your second and third kid, that age is no longer a sweet spot because it, it just like like a newborn or a baby that's not moving is so easy when you have another kid. <laughs> Like yes, when you have am, two kids going in the totally opposite, living that 
Yeah. 100%. I was just like, oh, this age that I was so looking forward to because that it was such a great time with my first kid is awful. (laughs) It's hard. It's a challenge for sure. That's a challenge. Yeah, it's not awful because it is really exciting (laughs) to see them move and be their own person. But it is so hard. I'm waiting for it to get easier. I think like my listeners are are sick of hearing me say (laughs) this tough phase that I've been in for a year. Yes. All right, let's get into language stuff. Let's do it. I know that you just you just mentioned babies, and so mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about because I think when most people like think of language, they're like, oh, like when your baby starts saying mama and dada at mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, ten, whatever that is, we'll get into mm-hmm. it. But like, when does it start? So a lot of people are thinking of like first words as being that mm-hmm. big benchmark for the beginning of language, but the, the really the entire first year is building up to that. And your baby is practicing all of the skills, all of the little things that they need to do in order to get to that point. Um, so there's a lot going on in that first year that's happening under the surface that you might not even you might not even see all the work they're doing. If I'm trained to look at, oh, they're doing all these little things and they're they're getting one step closer, but they are really doing so much work in that first year to get ready for that point. And a lot of kids do hit that first words milestone right around 12 months. Got it. Let's talk about those like little things that you're looking at in that first year. Yes. So the first kind of really exciting things when you have a newborn is those first like intentional smiles paired usually in about the same time frame with the beginning of them finding their voice. So like the cooing and the gooing and all of that is typically happening between that second and third month of life. They're tuning in socially and that's a really important piece because we learn all of the language that we have and that we use as we go forward, we learn all of that through those social interactions. So that that social smile and that social interest and when they start to really interact and find joy in those silly games you do, that is the very first step to building um, and setting the foundation for language skills. And then there's a really magical period right around six months where things, they are just really starting to click and connect for your baby. There are a bunch of really exciting milestones right around that point. Um, Firstly, your baby is going to start to babble right around this time frame. The ma ma ma, the ba ba ba, duh. Those are some of the most common strands that are babbled. In addition to that, your baby around six months is starting to connect words with their meaning. So mm-hmm. they're starting to make that connection that when you say mom, that means this person who is taking care of me every day. When you say dad, that is also this person who is with me every day. And they can start to, when you say dog, they'll look at your family pets. So you can see them start to making these connections. And obviously they have to learn words and they have to connect a word to its meaning before they're going to be able to use it. That piece of starting to connect words with their meaning. And you'll see this kind of pop up and get uh, around six 
months and get more and more mature throughout that second half of the first year to the point where as they get closer to one and they hear someone say bye-bye, they might start to um, wave and you'll know, oh, they know what that means. Mm Bye-bye. Or if you are looking at a book and you say a word, they might look at the picture you said, or they might even point to the picture you said. So learning words and just starting to make those connections is a, a huge piece of getting a child ready to say those first words. Got it. And then like I, I you may get to it, but I'm going to just ask questions. So yeah, go in for that it. first six months, because mm-hmm. I think it it often you read a lot like I should be reading to my child I should be Mm -hmm. narrating to my child what are some ways that we can like best set up our child for for developing those language skills yes reading and singing are wonderful ways to get language input and I recommend just singing like without the soundtrack without the videos just face to face with your baby Mm -hmm. and doing you can do the traditional nursery songs you can make up songs you can sing songs that you like it doesn't have to be any certain way but singing can be a really powerful tool and a really powerful activity for your child's development reading just doing the simple board books for this age is definitely best and taking time to point out pictures and label what and talk about things and really even just hearing hearing you read and listening and starting to tune into the rhythm of your voice and starting to just learn what sounds like and reading books over and over so they start to learn what to expect. A lot of parents are like, I don't want to read this book a hundred times, but it's actually really great for your child to do that. So um, bear with them and it will pay off developmentally. Um Also, another really important thing, especially in that first six months, is to play those um, little social games with your baby. Setting that foundation for going back and forth in a game. So you maybe cover your head with a blanket and see if they'll take the blanket off and say peekaboo or... um, even just doing the little so big and waiting for them to giggle and then doing it again. So playing those little games where you get to start going back and forth with them, that that is a huge that has a huge benefit developmentally because if you think about it, that's the earliest kind example of a conversation for them. That right. I I do something, my mom responds, then I respond, and then my dad responds, or whoever your caregiver is. Um they learn how to go back and forth. And that is modeling what kind of a communication exchange is going to look like as they get more mature and um, have more of an ability to communicate in conventional ways. Now, so it's interesting. I So I just had my son's one-year appointment mm-hmm. and I was mm-hmm. telling her that my son plays this game where he like knows he's not supposed to be going on the steps by himself. However, he as soon as like you put him down, he runs over to the stairs. He starts to climb up. He climbs up two stairs and looks back to see like to see if you're gonna chase him or it's almost like he wants you to chase him. So that's what Uh he's doing. Uh And she's describing, she's oh, that's fantastic that he's doing that. That's one of the, that's a sign that basically you're like, it's, I guess if he, if he's not doing those types of things, he might like, and I'm not him, but like a child might have autism or they they might be on the spec like that, like, but it's that, that wanting to play and engage is is a showing a sign. Yeah. So that I I want, is there something that like parents should be on the lookout for like super early on? Cause I know that obviously early intervention stuff is really important. Mm -hmm, If mm -hmm. your child's not doing something, can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I would say by let's just do let's just go by six months because I really hate to to go before that because babies are so new and you're so new to parenting. I really a lot happening in that first six months, but I don't want parents to be thinking like by three months that their baby should be doing something because there really is a, a, a wide range of average for a lot of these skills. But I will say by six months, if you are not hearing your baby's voice, I would consider talking to your pediatrician about that getting mm-hmm. their hearing tested because that is that's one of the can be a, one of the biggest barriers to developing mm-hmm. communication and to developing babbling even babies need to be able to hear properly in order to in order to develop those skills if they're not responding to environmental sounds same thing you want to talk to your doctor and potentially get a hearing test if your baby is does not has not developed that social smile, that social interest in wanting to play with you, and mm-hmm. when you look at them and you talk sweetly to them, they should they should light up. And if if you're not seeing, that's something you'd want to um, talk to your pediatrician about. We're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about the Juna app, the app that makes this podcast possible. Juna is the premier app for every stage of motherhood with a 12-week trying to conceive plan and workouts, key nutrition information for every week of pregnancy and postpartum, plus six full video courses on birth prep, breastfeeding, newborn care, infant sleep, sleep from four to 12 months, and starting solids. The app is designed to be your number one companion from trying to conceive through your baby's first year of life. It also includes daily diaphragmatic breathing exercises, pelvic floor prep, daily tips and notes from me that are relevant to the exact things you are experiencing. These are so helpful for easing any fears and preventing the dreaded gestational Google mania, that sickness where you can't stop Googling every little thing that happens during pregnancy. Juna is available for both iOS and Android. Just search Juna in the app store or go to Juna.co. Again, that's Juna.co. The app is completely free to try for seven days, and if you decide it's not right for you, you can cancel any time within the first week. No questions asked. Download Juna today and get started. Now, back to the show. Same with if they're not following moving objects with their eyes, and you could even look for this a little bit early, like by three or four months, if you're not seeing them tracking visually. So if they should watch mom leave the room or dad leave the room and you should see their eyes follow Mm -hmm. um, for various objects. And you would not want to do that with a screen, just a disclaimer, like you would want to do it with a a physically moving object in the environment. Um, So those are the biggest things early on at that six month mark. If you're not seeing those, those would definitely indicate the need for a conversation with your doctor to explore those a little more, um, specifically making sure that there aren't any um, limitations in vision or hearing that might be impacting your baby. Got it. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. those are great mm-hmm. tips. Okay. And then if we, if you want to go into it, we can go into, okay, by a year, what are we concerned about now? Do you want to talk about that? Or yes. what, do you want to, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that because that kind of is where we started with your son and his 12 month appointment. By, by 12 months, we want to see babies starting to use a few simple gestures. Gestures are the beginning of intentional communication. Gestures come before words. And that means pointing, waving, reaching up to be picked up. We want to see baby doing a couple of those things. Even if they're reaching with their hand 
to something they want and it's an mm-hmm. open hand and not a isolated point, that's okay. We it's we want that intent of, okay, I'm reaching for this because I want it. We want to see some of those early gestures. In addition to that, by 12 months, we want to hear your child babbling in strands. So we want to hear those ma, ma, ma and the ba, ba, ba. If your child is not babbling or you're not hearing many consonant sounds, you would want to talk to your doctor about that. Um, okay. And then by 12 months, if you're not hearing babbling, if you're not seeing those gestures, if your child is not responding when you call their name, those I would say you are, I'm green lighting you, reach out directly to a speech pathologist in addition to talking to your doctor. Um, because those are, are big things that we want to look for at that age. And some of those potentially might be connected with autism or suspected autism. And some of them are connected to other potential causes. Definitely something to explore. I don't want to be an alarmist, but for those three things, talk to your doctor and reach out to a speech pathologist. Got it. That's Those are great tips. What is interesting because I, I also will say as a mom with three kids, I feel like those gestures, they come out of nowhere. It's like you you start to get nervous, you start to get nervous, and then all of a sudden your baby's like pointing and waving. Right. You're like, oh, okay, right. we're here. <laughs> and especially and, with your first kid. <laughs> yes. And they don't gestures don't come out of thin air. Everything your baby learns, they're learning from you. You might not even realize that you were modeling all of those things for them, but you were and they pick Mm. up on it. Very, It's a very natural acquisition. Now you can go out of your way to use more gestures and more frequent gestures. And that can really be of benefit to your child because even though those first words come in at 12 months or right around in that time frame, um, Young children, babies, up until the age of 18 months, gesture is their primary form of communication. Even when they're starting to use words, this from experience, it takes a long time to get up to 50 words where they're able to use a variety of words to really start to communicate for all of the different reasons that they need to communicate with you. So gestures are huge and it is... um, it's an important milestone to see. And it's also something that you want to nurture with your child and model for them as much as you can, because you will see that being their uh, main form of communication for a while to come. If you're right around that, if you're still around that 12 month mark, gestures are going to be part of your baby's repertoire for a while. Yeah. It's funny. After my, my son was two when we had my daughter and I said to my husband, I'm like, can you believe that it's going to be another two years before this one can communicate can can talk to us I'm like isn't that insane because it doesn't mm-hmm. with your first kid it doesn't feel like each stage is new and you don't really know what to expect in the next mm-hmm. month and and then all of a sudden you do and you're like wow it, like she's gonna be around for two years before she's talking it ended up being like 18 months with her but it's nuts to think about right. it like that now I have a question about sign language what is yes. your your view on baby sign language Okay, this is a great segue because we were just talking about gestures and how important those are. And I think sign language can really complement this natural stage of language where babies are using gestures. I think sign is a great complement for that. Teaching some simple sign language in addition to helping them communicate with gestures, I think those really go um, very nicely together. And I use a ton of sign language in my practice when I'm working with families. 
families were working toward getting their child to say those first words and to start talking, we're usually starting with signing because signing for many kids is going to um, come more quickly than those spoken words. Um, And that's what I've seen with both the kids that I work with and for my own children. I've seen them acquire the signing piece before they get the words. And then even when the words are coming in, signing continues to be a really nice way to complement their communication skills because you can teach them to sign, to communicate for a variety of things and things that they might not have words yet. So I I love teaching signing. I am a huge advocate of that. I talk a lot about signing and teaching sign on my website and I even have a few resources on that topic. So if you're looking for more information, you can definitely check that, check out those. But yes, 100%, I um, am an advocate for teaching signs. I know I love hearing that. It's I, I remember with my first kid hearing rumors that if you teach your kid sign language, it's going to delay their speech. Is that, that obviously I'm imagining that has no That is merit. completely false. There's zero merit to that. Across the board, they've studied it. There is no evidence to suggest that signing would delay speech. In fact, as I mentioned, I often use signing as a bridge to those spoken words. And for a lot of reasons, because of the way it promotes communication, I feel that um, signing actually facilitates that spoken language and can actually help your child get to those spoken words even more quickly. Okay. Good to know. Good to mm-hmm. know. So when I think right, right now, Levi, my littlest, he mm-hmm. has, says mama and he very clearly means me. It's definitely – I remember like when it was mama, 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 mm-hmm. and I pretended it was about me, but now it's about me. And he says dada, but he, he has no other words with the exception of this. Yeah. <laughs> he says – he points at things and says – My baby is, is dat. Everything that, <laughs> which is the cutest thing, I absolutely yeah. love this stage. Uh, yes. But when, like, I guess, like, does it like snowball from here? So I would say it's more of a slow burn in this okay. twelve to eighteen month period. So you'll see. We hope to see those first words, first couple words coming out around the first birthday, and then the benchmark for fifteen months is about ten words. Or that's sorry, that's the average. The average okay. fifteen month old has about 10 words. And so you see they're adding those words pretty slowly. They're still getting the hang Mm -hmm. of it. They start to get get more and more as they get closer to 18 months. The average is around 50. And that is really the magical point. Because we see once child once children are getting to that 50 word mark, that is when it really clicks. That is when they okay. start adding new spoken words every single day. That is when they start being able to put two spoken words together to make um, some short phrases. Um, it's it feels like a lot of work to get to that point, but once they, I feel like that is really the um, point where there's like a rapid change in the way they're acquiring spoken language. It's that eight around eighteen months and around fifty spoken words. They really just take off after that. Okay, and if so, let's say your child is around two and they're still not like putting words together. Is that an issue for twenty four months? Yeah. Your things that you would want to be looking for, things that you'd want to talk to your doctor about. If your child has less than 50 words and if your child is not putting two words together by okay. by the second birthday. And then again, also in addition to your, speaking with your doctor, I would reach out directly to a speech pathologist at that point as well. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I'm also I'm one of my one of my friends, her child is just turned two and he's Mr. Chatterbox. But it's so interesting because when we are hanging out with him, he parrots like he mm-hmm. would like, everything that his mom said, he would repeat back. And I thought it was mm-hmm. so interesting because I know that's super common, but neither of my kids really did that. Like they they just like they they spoke, but like they would listen to what we were saying, but it wasn't like they were parroting it back. And is there, mm-hmm. so is there any meaning yeah what's that the image this imitation is developing between 12 and 18 months so your child okay. might start being more consistent with being able to imitate sounds like an mm-hmm. animal noise or a car sound and then they're growing that skill as they get closer to 18 months is when we want to see them start being able to imitate simple words so if you mm-hmm. say ball they say ball if you say mama they say mama we really want to see that kind of fall into place and that imitation plays a huge role in them being able to acquire all of those other spoken words because remember they're going from 50 words at 18 months to an average of 200 to 300 words at 24 months wow. so you can see a huge burst there and that ability to imitate plays a huge role in that Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder what, I mean, and now I'm like, I wonder if I remember correctly or if yeah. that guy was just pregnant <laughs> and have pregnancy brain when that was happening for both of my children. I might, might only remember that with Levi because I will not be pregnant again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely possible pregnancy brain. Now I have another question about language for mm-hmm. those that are in dual language homes. So mm-hmm. the one parent is speaking one language to them and the other parent is speaking the other language. Is it mm-hmm. typical for language to be delayed because there's so much going on or yeah. No. So there's no evidence to suggest that by children who are bilingual will have delays because of that. That is a huge myth and it's just not true. Now, bilingual kids can have delays just like any other child, but um, to say that they're going to say that they are going to or that we would expect them to lag in their language development, that is not true. That is a myth. Also, there's no right way to do bilingualism. So if your family is bilingual and you're trying to figure out how to make that work, there's no right way. So the right way is the way that works for you and your family. Got it. That's good to know. Wish my children were bilingual. <laughs> I know. Me too. We really tried to have our nanny speak Spanish to them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's I, it's just not it's not enough. <laughs> Any anything can get. I think it's great. Okay, good. What else was I gonna ask? I just oh yeah. So when well, I have another like myth myth question. So is it true? And this might not be a myth, so you'll let us know. When my child is going through, is it true that they can only like really advance with either physical developments or language developments? It's really tough to do that at the same time. Okay, this is a tricky one. I do see on the whole, because I work with many families with kids who are in the mm-hmm. six to 18 month range or ones and two, one and two year olds, I do see that a lot of kids that tend to like excel more in one area. So I see a lot of kids who might excel more um, with their physical development and then they need a little push for the language development. And then I see that vice versa. To say that like, one area can't develop while another is a myth because we know that children are developing so rapidly across every area throughout the entire first three years of life. So you might see skills take a front seat as they're learning something new, but that 
the idea that they're only going to focus on the skill for an extended period of time is not true. They are focused on learning a lot of different things all at once. And that is what is so amazing about their little brains. This episode is sponsored by Element. Element is a really tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything that you need and nothing you don't. Guys, electrolytes are so important when you're pregnant and with everything going on in your body, it's so easy for electrolyte deficiencies to occur. It's perfect for those who are nauseous in the first trimester and for those who are losing lots of sodium through sweating in their third trimester. It's also perfect for the nursing mama who's losing electrolytes through her breast milk. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. With none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. I'm one of those people who sweats an obscene amount. Element has been getting me through all my postpartum workouts. I absolutely love this stuff and I can't recommend it enough. They have a variety of flavors. Raspberry ice is my favorite, but citrus brings me back to my athletic days of drinking sports drink, except Element has no added junk. I typically make a 32 ounce drink and then I drink half and then I fill it up again. And then I do this like 12 more times throughout the day so that I can make that flavor last as long as possible. You can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they'll give you your money back no questions asked. As a member of our community, Element has a very special offer for you. You can get an Element sample pack for only covering the cost of shipping. Get yours here. DrinkLMNT.com backslash Juna. Once again, that's www.drink, the letter L, the letter M, the letter N, the letter T.com backslash Juna. Yes, yes. And is when they're doing these, obviously they're learning the first three years is so rapid, but mm-hmm. does it like affect their sleep? Let's say like Levi's working on some new words. Is mm-hmm. his sleep and naps going to get disrupted? I am not a sleep expert. I will say I will only I can only really give my experience as a parent, which is when I see my kids going through huge like growth spurts and huge cognitive spurts, I see like all of the things that you would like usually relate to it. So I see like disturbances in sleep, whether they want to sleep more or less. I see them either eating less or way more. So I do see like changes in them as they go through both big cognitive spurts and big like actually physical growth spurts, depending on where they are in that moment. But I've definitely seen that anecdotally, but I can't speak like from an expert's position on that. Yeah, no, it is interesting. I feel with my own mom experience too, I have found that to be true Mm -hmm. as well, especially with naps. You're just like, it's like almost like he, like more with, I would say the physical developments. I'm like, oh, like you're like right now he's been walking. That's Mm -hmm. his like new skill that he's mastering, (laughs) really enjoying it. And like I see he's like his second nap, which like he's not ready to drop it. He's just one. And he really just like walks around in his crib. <laughs> he just like yeah. walks and he's like pacing in his crib in that second nap. He's, and I'm just like, please just go to sleep. Your body oh, needs it. Go I to know. sleep. We are going through the exact same thing right now. New and just mayhem when we try to do the second nap. Yes, I know. And it's, I, it's, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not ready to try and switch it. We, although I, whatever we're doing right now is not working because he's been an early riser for months and months, like 5, 15 Every day, I've tried like a million different things. You're not a sleep expert. I'm going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've been uh, there. I have all yeah. these struggles. If you find Ugh. answers, please tell me. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's so funny because like when I whenever I have sleep experts on, it's like they'll give me like the five things w- when it comes to early morning wakings. And I'm like, I have literally done all of those. Do I just have an early <laughs> riser? Is this what I have? Parenting. Okay. Any anything else that is worth like like that you like common things that parents you work with like common struggles, concerns that are is worth noting for our listeners. We can I can give you my top three tips for yes. um, getting your child ready to say their first words and just to set them up for success in communication. Perfect. Okay, so the first thing is to follow your child's lead. When people give this advice, which is good and important advice of talking a lot to your child, it is important to do that a lot. It is, we know like from the research that quantity of um, words, how much they're hearing, it does matter. But you can streamline this to make it a little more focused, which is to follow what they're interested in and follow their nonverbal communication and use that to frame your language that you're modeling for them. So if you walk outside and you notice that a squirrel in a tree catches their attention, a lot of people would do this intuitively, but that's what you would want to talk about. If you notice that they're reaching up for their cup of milk that's high on the counter, you want to hold the cup and put it by your face so they can see your mouth and you're going to say cup or you want your cup. Modeling single words is very effective. So just saying cup and then handing it to them. So following their nonverbal communication, following their interest and using that to streamline the language that you're modeling. And that helps take some of the pressure off from feeling like you have to talk all of the time and it makes it a little more natural. And it's you're then you're also talking about things that are motivating and meaningful to them. I like that. Yeah, that's I know quick question while you're mm-hmm. still in tip 1. Yes. <laughs> baby talk. Okay, let's make a distinction here. There's baby talk, which I would characterize more by like improper pronunciations and immature grammar. Yes. So saying, look at those whittle feet, whittle coot feet, or saying like, I hot, or like, I cold. You want to model appropriate pronunciations and appropriate grammar when you're talking to your child. But there is definitely a benefit to using that rich intonation. So Mm -hmm. it's called parentese. So you want to... You want to use that higher pitch that most people will find naturally when they're talking to kids. Although it is a really interesting one to try to coach parents on. (laughs) Like, how do I teach you how to talk like this? You want to talk in that higher pitch. You want to stretch out your vowels. You want to um, use nice, short um, sentences. Chunk what you're saying into um, phrases so that they're more comprehensible to your child. So we definitely want parentees. We do not want baby talk. Got it. Okay. Okay. Great. Good to know. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Tip two. Tip two is going back to, we already talked about this, but I'll just reiterate, encouraging your child to use gestures and modeling gestures for your child and sprinkling um, in some sign language. If that's something that you feel like you are wanting to do, I find that to be super beneficial as well. So knowing that your child is going to communicate with gestures up in, as the primary method of communication up until 18 months. So you really want to nurture those gestures, model lots of gestures for them, 
makeup gestures, do a lot of showing and do a lot of physical representing with your body. And that will uh, benefit their communication throughout these early years. Okay. Yes. Like that. Okay. And then the third tip is to work on imitation skills. We talked about how babies learn everything that they've come to know and come to do from their caregivers, from being in social interactions and watching and doing. So imitation is a huge part of your child being able to say their first words and their first several words. You can start by doing lots of sounds in play. So you can pair little actions you're doing with a noise. So maybe you beat on a drum and you go boom, or Mm. you shake an egg and you go. So lots of little, everything can have a sound effect as you play. And then when you make the sound, you can stop and look at your baby and give them whatever object you were doing and see if they'll copy you. And you'll find that in time, if you continue modeling and giving them that chance to go back and forth with you, that they will catch on and start to imitate um, some simple sounds. Even if you take a sip of water and go, ah, and then (laughs) give them a little, how they love to drink from your cup, (laughs) give them a sip and see if they'll make that little um, sound. So um, really trying to foster those um, imitation skills from an early age. And you can start doing these things as early as six months. They're ready to start imitating some simple actions in play, some simple sounds. And that is really going to set them up for being able or ready to start imitating some of those simple words around their first birthday. I love that. Now, I have a a question that I I have thought of and I want to ask it. It's kind it's a little bit more advanced than the stage that we're in, which is like the first two years. But so let's say I have a three and an, an almost three and an almost five-year-old. And they, I feel like kids will say things just like a little bit wrong. I'll use an example for my daughter. Like she has, whenever, she must have heard once, I just forgot. And now yeah. the word is just a got. And so whenever we're like leaving the house, she's, mom, you just got my vitamin or whatever it is. <laughs> And it's one of the cutest things in the world and I Mm -hmm. don't want to correct it because I feel like all I need to do is say it's – the word is forgot, Kyla, and she'll – She's like, oh, okay, the word's forgot. Oopsie. She like, truly believes yeah. it. I guess what if should we be correcting the things that our children say wrong when it comes to just, just words? And then if there's actually – like she has a problem with yellow. She says lello. Mm-hmm. There's obviously much more extreme like mm-hmm. speech issues, right. slush, slushy stuff, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. I guess like where's the line where you're like, okay, we should work with someone versus these are just cute things my kid says? Okay, so know that – Throughout the first two years, like until that second birthday, 24 months, we are way more focused with the communication, how Mm -hmm. they're communicating with gestures and words and being able to get their needs met than we are with the way it sounds. Young children, like the intelligibility benchmark for or average for a 18 month old is 25%. Like you should be understanding like (laughs) a very small amount of what they're saying. And then it's only goes up to 50% at 24 months. So having realistic expectations for speech sounds and knowing that it's a long prop. Most kids are in the three to four range before they are completely understandable. And even beyond that, there are speech errors that continue to be normal up until age five or six, which what would kind be like, of, yeah, give me a, sorry. Yeah. Those later developing sounds are 
the R sound at the beginning mm-hmm. and end of words, and then the TH sound, like in thumb or think or that. Okay. So those are the hardest. And then there's a developmental progression of the sounds that they'll be that they'll be able to do from early on, like the M, P, and D are some of the first sounds. And then they continue to add and hone that over time until they're mostly understandable from three to four. And then for around five to six, you should be hearing all of those speech sounds. But I think having realistic expectations that you're not expected to understand everything that a child under three is saying. And also I will say like the biggest, if you're looking for like kind of a way to know whether this is a problem or something you should talk to a um, speech pathologist or your doctor about, we want to see a child who is 24 months having at least five consonant sounds. So M, P, D, H, W, T, N, any combination of any sounds, but at least five. If your okay. child is not using five consonant sounds in various words by 24 months, that would be an indication to reach out and talk to someone. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I, is L a hard one? Cause first I feel like my, my I've named two of my kids with yes. L's and like he was called Yuka by so many of his friends. Yes. So L is on average acquired by age four. So it is a later developing sound, but most kids by the time they are starting kindergarten are able to say those L's. Got it. I also, I always thought that parentese meant that it was basically the language that your kids speak that you understand like that. Because like Uh. I understand a hundred percent of what my kids say, but like Mm -hmm. another parent might be, I know like with my friend's kids, I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. (laughs) Right. And then you realize like the context in which your kid is talking. Like, so that is also what's helpful in understanding them is because you're like, oh, these are the things he's interested in. And so he's definitely talking about planting in the backyard. Whereas like, Someone else is like, what is this kid talking about? And a really helpful benchmark for that is by three, by their third birthday, the your parent or your primary caregiver should understand everything. Okay. By four, everyone else should understand everything. Oh, that's super helpful. Yes. Okay. That's good. So by by two, only you should – so by 18 months, you should only understand 25%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By two, you should understand 50%. Yes. By three, the parent should understand everything. Correct. And by four, somebody else should be able to understand everything. Yes. You have passed the quiz. (laughs) All right. Good. No, that's super helpful. (laughs) And another thing to remember is that they're mixing it. They're still mixing in that babbling. That's decreasing and it should be pretty much gone by that 24-month mark. But from 12 to 24 months, you are still mixing in lots of babbling, lots of jargon, lots of nonsense with real words. So that definitely contributes to that too, because obviously you can't understand something that's nonsense. Yeah. My, my son still does that and he's, yeah. he'll be five in September. Like he loves to make up words. Granted, my husband does too and he does oh, yeah. it all the time. And I'm should we be doing that anymore? Because we, we call, uh, but this is like I'm on the side, but we call our face our Fachamadooch. And so here, like, I'm like, oh my goodness, that hit me right in the Fachamadooch. And oh my, gosh. my, our kids will say that now. And I'm like, I'm sure their teachers are like, what in the world is a Fachamadooch? <laughs> so, but it's all good fun, right? Yes. The home jokes and the home games are like the best. Don't yes. keep yeah. those are fun. <laughs> we will. We will. Thank you so much. This was like just so informative. And so I really appreciate your time today. 
Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Why don't you tell people where they can find you? Okay. On Instagram, you can find me at mommy and me milestones. I have a lot of information about language development and just overall child development for the first three years. I also have a website, www.mommyandmemilestones.com. And if you, um, if you go to my website, you can also check out my resources and my first words course that will be available very soon and potentially by the time this airs. Definitely check out any, all of those resources. I have signing resources and you can reach out and DM me if you have any questions about um, what you heard today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Thank you. Okay, that's all for today. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a mama friend and leave us a review. If you're pregnant, postpartum, or trying to conceive, you can download the Juna app completely free for seven days. The app is available for iOS and Android and is designed to be your guide for all things health and fitness for this very special time of your life. If you have any suggestions for episodes you would like to hear or anyone you think would be a great guest on the show, please email me directly at sarah at Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.